<laughs> hello, 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 and welcome to a very spooky episode of Movie the Musical, a podcast that about movies that have been turned into musicals. It's the spookiest month of all, November. I am your host, <laughs> Ben Kay. We are here to investigate, interrogate, and celebrate the art of adaptation from screen to stage. We are a podcast that loves questions. And today's creepy question is, if you are blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? Why That's not? That, why not? Why don't you just go there? Try it. <laughs> exactly. You gotta. Um... If happy, this is our Halloween episode that is debuting November first. We did it. We got in right after the wire. Um, but why not? Because we are here to continue the season um, and continue and conclude, hopefully, our discussion on the musicals of Mel Brooks. Um, talking <laughs> hopefully. about, hopefully, uh, today's episode, of course, is about 1974's Young Frankenstein, directed by Mel Brooks, and subsequent 2007 musical adaptation, and I'm gonna give it the whole title that it was originally produced oh, under, the oh, new... Right. <laughs> oh, no. The new Mel Brooks musical, colon, Young Frankenstein, with a book by Mel Brooks and Thomas Meehan, and music and lyrics by Mel Brooks. Uh, as always, our wonderful producer and editor, Bran Moorhead, is here. Hello, Bran. Hello. Together again for the first time. <laughs> That's... always say that. I say that at the top of every record. We just edit mm -hmm. it out. Um, and joining us on this fine, spooky morning, uh, <laughs> they are a wonderful actor and performer and just very good human being. Uh, Bradley Halverson is on the pod today. Hello. Good morning. I thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, thank you for being here. It's, <laughs> I th we had to do this. So yeah, so a few seasons back, we did the producers. We opened the door to the Brooks of the with the producers. Um, and this is a fitting, I mean, we had, so we had to get here eventually. Mm -hmm. We had to talk about the other one. Yeah. If you're talking <laughs> about one, you got to talk about the other one. And Bren, as I kind of promised last week, um, I want to try and find thematic links from episodes to episode. Um, so today's topic is tone and this is the the bradley mm. i like to i like to pin a little thesis at the top of yes. each episode yes. so we'll <laughs> pin that and then we'll talk about the movie but let's mm -hmm. talk about tone for a second because i feel like and bran you can attest to this that on last week's discussion of sweet smell of success i'd say one of the biggest things that we sort of addressed was sort of how sort of cheery and less biting the musical adaptation of that film was of, yeah. of sweet smell of success it's sort of they, mm. they, they less cynical exactly and it was sort of a huge detriment to uh to that that product and so mm -hmm. we come at, and so i think it's just important when you know when you're adapting something to really sort of take in the tone of the thing you're adapting mm -hmm. and sort of see like well what 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 is this like what are we trying to convey atmosphere atmospherically aesthetically mm -hmm. um and how can we uh recreate that on stage um a problem that 
it seems like everyone had uh, on this show. <laughs> and and this, yeah. and I would yet, say I would say it seems that they even perhaps just decided not to do that. <laughs> like they I mean, didn't well, even really try. <laughs> you know, that's uh, yeah. We're, we're gonna talk a lot about sort of where. Uh, I mean, the biggest thing with the musical, and we'll delve deeper into it because I want to first jump into the movie, but the biggest thing with mm-hmm. the musical is, um, you know, it's one of those things where the producers was a huge hit and they were literally trying to make the next producers. They were like, it's, that's, that seems to be sort of the blueprint that they were operating off of. Yeah, I feel like if I can tack like a, a, a little subtweet onto your thesis, Please. it would be that I feel that this musical and this is separate from my own enjoyment of the musical because i do enjoy it sure um, but i think that its ultimate failing is that it has kind of <clears throat> an identity crisis and mm-hmm. it it's it doesn't mm-hmm. know whether it's spoofing the monster movie genre or if it's just spoof, spoofing musicals and yeah. it it doesn't do the first as well as the film and it doesn't do the second as well as producers <laughs> Absolutely you know. not. No. Um, and so, yeah, we'll dig into that in just a moment. But let's let's start at the very beginning. Let's start in 1974 with uh, Mel Brooks's fourth film. This is the fourth. I mean, he's he made a lot of movies because, yeah, so obviously mm-hmm. we talked about the producers last time, which was his debut film, um, which is a very which it's a, a very good movie. I recommend people watch The Producers. If you weren't convinced after that episode, I'm saying it again, it's a good movie. <laughs> um, he would then on go on to direct uh, The Twelve Chairs, which is sort of, a, I guess, a lesser film. Not yeah, I've never seen quali- that one. Yeah, not in quality, just in reputation. Uh, then, of course, uh, Blazing Saddle. Good movie. G- good movie? Twelve Chairs, good movie? Yes, good movie. Great, I recommend it a lot. Great, good Noted. to know. It's, mm-hmm. it's Frank Langella. Is that is he in it? I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, great. I'll check it out. Um, and then of course, Blazing Saddles came next, and mm-hmm. like that was just massive. I mean, it's it's yeah. kind of like unprecedented, like as a piece of like cinematic comedy, sort of how much that thing hit, like mm. critically, commercially. It was just like it was like it was. To use another uh, podcast phrase, it was uh, arguably the blank check for mm. uh, for Mel Brooks, like as a creator. Um, yeah. Obviously, uh, Gene Wilder has a large supporting role in that film, and obviously, and as we sort of you see through the the rest of their lives, Mel Brooks and Gene Wilder sort of became this this tight uh, creative duo. Um, and so they wrote this movie, which is, and again, like you sort of alluded to this a little bit before Bradley, but I think what is young Frankenstein, young Frankenstein, I would say the, one of the biggest strengths of this movie is that it looks like a universal monster movie. Like, as yeah. like, like it is filmed like a thirties horror movie. It even had like, it has like a whole full title sequence with mm-hmm. no bits. It's just a very yes. earnest, like, here are the credits. Here is this spooky shot of the castle that we're going to zoom in on and journey through. To Incredible get to the... score, too. Yeah, John oh, yeah. Morris's yeah. score is undeniable. Um, and I'm pretty sure John Morris did most of Mel Brooks's films. Mm-hmm. Um, is that is that violin 
score of his is that in the musical or did they no i don't think it is and i think it's a crime that was the first thing i wrote down was why did they not use this theme for a, a theme in the show i don't know why Might as well yeah they wouldn't have because they clearly there's a song that i think is sort of meant to be the equivalent of that and yeah it, but it's why not just do it you know it was perfect in it's, my opinion it's, it is. It, it it absolutely is. Um, but yeah, so it's just like the way it's filmed, the way it's uh, the performances. I was just like, mm-hmm. it is not just like, it's not just supposed to be like, oh, it's a goof em up about uh, like a Frankenstein monster yeah. movie. It is like, I mean, that's that's what's so great about so many of Brooks's um, parody films and what some of the best parody films hit mm-hmm. at is that they are made in the style of the thing they are spoofing like they are yeah. they're not they're not just taking in story and character they are taking in like actual like style. cinematic composition and style into yeah. the thing that Fade to blacks and wipes and all the yeah all the oh my god the transitions there. yeah yeah mm-hmm. like uh, it's again like it's if like, you it's scary like there are there are shots that are I mean, maybe not scary, but spooky, you know, like, yes. yeah. like when I was a kid, I mean, I w- started watching this movie when I was probably like, I don't know, eight or something. And I, I wasn't yeah. a big scary movie person, but yeah, there are shots that just the way they're filmed and it's because they're honoring, you know, uh, older styles are just bone chilling. You know, it's just, it gives you little, little tingles. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so Bradley, yeah. Cause you, you came to us with this one, I believe mm-hmm. um, yeah. you were like, I want to do this. So yeah. Tell, mm-hmm. tell, tell us about sort of what, what it is about young Frankenstein that made you want to talk about it today. Yeah. Well, I mean this movie, I don't know I think my parents were just fans of Mel Brooks. Cause we watched a lot of Mel Brooks growing up. Yeah. Um, we were mostly, I think our family was mostly like young Frankenstein uh, Men in Tights and uh, Spaceballs. Those are probably our, our big three. Um, For sure. Probably, probably in that order, in that descending order. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, and so, yeah, I mean, this, it's just kind of a comfort movie for me. Um, I think it very likely might be like my Desert Island, you get one movie. It might be this sure. one. It might be Young Frankenstein. So that was kind of when, um, I, who was I talking to? I think I was talking to, because I have so many, Ben and I have so many mutual friends who've been on the podcast already. I think I was talking to Gabby um, and it was right after Gabby's episode and Gabby was like, well, what what would you do? You know, and I was was, like thinking through it and I was like, oh, like one of my favorite movies ever is a musical that I have seen. Uh, Yeah. And yeah, so it was just one of my favorite movies. um, And I think it was also one of the first movies that I kind of growing up became aware of kind of like as a as a product not just as a as a uh, an experience that I was having but where I was really aware of like oh this is a really awesome cast that like they yes. they had a level of synergy that made this a better movie and so it was like that was kind of as I was like getting interested in acting and all this stuff like that was something that I think was really interesting to me yeah i mean the cast the cast is just stacked. I mean, it's I mean, it's sort of like uh, they are. What's kind of amazing about this cast, and yeah, we we'll, we can dig into each of them, of course. But um, I think what's kind of brilliant is that they are both sort of like able to stand. They they have such idiosyncratic 
performance styles. Like Gene Wilder <laughs> is not Marty Feldman, no. is not Cloris Leachman, is not Peter Boyle. Like they are all mm. such so singular in sort of what they bring to the table. But then, yeah, yeah like you said, they all work amazingly with each other. They're able to play <laughs> off of each other's personalities in such a lovely way. It's yeah. it's kind of astounding. It is. It is. Um, there's a, a little fun factoid that, so I have the DVD, and so when I watched it in preparation for this, there's like a bunch of extra features, which are fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But one of them, which I hadn't watched in a long time, is there's just like this like 30 minute, I don't know, featurette, like making of sort of thing. Sure. It's mostly an interview with Gene Wilder. Um, but, sure. <laughs> you know, uh, but what I thought, one of the things I thought was so interesting was that, so he had already been developing the screenplay. I had forgotten that he uh, was attached to the screenplay before Mel yeah. was. I'd oh, wow. That. Damn. Yeah, it was his it was his idea. Um what a smart and guy. I know, right? And uh <laughs> he so he kind of had that in his back pocket and then his agent at the time came to him unrelated to this script and was just like, Hey, do you want to do what about what do you think about doing a movie with Marty Feldman and Peter Boyle? And he was kind <laughs> sure. of like, uh yeah, that sounds great. Why do you ask? And his agent was like, Oh, because I'm their agent now too. <laughs> 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 Well, and synergy, I know. Yeah, yeah, which is vertical integration. <laughs> I know. So like that, that's kind of a funny origin. But at the same time, then for Gene Wilder to be like, actually, I have, I think, the perfect vehicle for this, you know, because um, both of them are just both Marty and Peter are both just like perfect for these roles. They kind of. Yeah. I like. I'll say. I know. I'm aware that Marty Feldman sadly like had a medical condition that made his eyes like that. But I mean, but like he was such an. And he sadly he died less than a decade after this film came yeah. out. Um. But like he is just like every time he makes an expression in this movie, it is the funniest thing in the world. Like he I can know. just like look in a what a mug. Yeah. Honestly, yes. like he just, he'll just like he'll like make a dumb joke and then his little grin afterwards is just like the funniest thing i've ever seen it and it's really it, it works really well because he's both like staying engaged with the character because he's both looking at the character and looking directly at the camera yeah. with the other <laughs> eyes. So he's like, oh my god it really works well it yes. really does and yeah just all the moments where he's not the one speaking and he's just he's in the just background there. Like doing whatever <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, and I mean, of course, Gene Wilder. I mean, yeah, we talked about we sang the praises of Gene Wilder in our producers episode, mm. which I think mm. I still think that is his best role as as Leopold Ooh. Bloom. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's it's yeah, it's so incredible. I mean, and, but like that's not to say he isn't very very good here. Oh, he's so good. Oh, I mean, and yeah. It's like he is the deadpan king in this thing. Like mm -hmm. he is just like. <laughs> able to just like hit that balance of just like being so serious and then just like flying right off the rails <laughs> like in an instant i know and i think that's part of what sells the movie is that he his absolute sincerity yes. pretty much the whole time even when he's doing absolutely ridiculous <laughs> yeah no i mean that's the thing like like they'll do they'll make dumb bits and dumb jokes but everyone mm -hmm. is aware that they're in a universal horror film like that yeah. is like that is ne that is rarely if ever 
ever called into question what mm-hmm. movie they're in, which is yes. great. Uh, Bran, I know, I know you're a big horror person. Are you? Are you a fan of like the the Universal horror films, sort of like the those classic ones? I've seen some of them. I mean, I think they absolutely are have their place in like horror history and how important they are there. But I'm like Lon Chaney's work is so good, and um, I honestly, it's it's. Um, Wild, but I think that the this performance of Frankenstein is maybe the only one that rivals Lon Chaney's, like the actual monster itself. <laughs> wow. I mean, Wait, it was, wow. wasn't it? Wasn't it Boris Karloff who was uh, Kor- Karloff? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Didn't he do maybe Lon, Lon Chaney was a hunchback of Notre Dame? But yes, uh, but yeah, Karloff mm-hmm. was. I mean, Lon Chaney was still good as the Hunchback, but yeah, the Boris Karloff was Frankenstein. Karloff, uh, yes. Bella Lugosi was the Dracula. Two, I don't the two know. makeup kings. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, but I think it's the one of the only one. I think that um, Peter Boyle's role in this, like, is the only one that like rivals that performance of wow. icon- iconography of uh, yeah, of just the the sound and the walk and the the movement, the like stiffness of his upper body, but like. And very childlike demeanor sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. It's a really good performance. Well, it's so funny. And this is, this is a, a I need to like read up on this because I forget why it happened. Because like, for those of us who know Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, the original novel, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, which Mel Brooks is lovingly enough is able to give a credit to in the, in the credits. <laughs> uh, yeah. It says based on, based on Frankenstein. Um, like it's so funny because in that book the creature like is he can talk he's kind mm-hmm. of a smart fella he like he threatens dr frankenstein to like make a bride for him like he's yeah. not like he was made into this lumbering oaf for the universal horror films i forget mm-hmm. sort of why that happened um, i think also the novel takes place if i don't it's been a while since i've read it but i feel like it takes place over even several years too so oh I think yeah no maybe it is he, an he epic kind of, yeah he like gradually sort of evolves as it goes whereas it, I feel like most of the yes. movies take place over like maybe a couple months you know it, there are like twi- there are like five framing devices for <laughs> mary shelley's frankenstein it's I, I, well it's the whole thing is what is what is the there's a term for that type of novel because it's all like sources right it's mm. all it's kind of like uh, it, it, Bram Stoker's Dracula where it's like letters it's, and it's, uh, I think, science yeah. notes epistolary I believe is epistolary the, yes epistolary that's, that's a fun word, word. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, yeah it's it's barely 10 o'clock in the morning and I was able to pull yeah. that out of somewhere <laughs> not epistolary. 10 o'clock in the morning well oh. I was going to say the other connection to this to that original movie is the scenery, the yes. scene items in the laboratory are all the ones from the original film, which yeah. is so cool. And so it's so cool, cool that Mel Brooks was able to get those and use them for the movie and that they all still work. I the know. That they like the electricity like spins on them and like some of them like spark in different ways. It's such, it's just really, really cool. Well, I mean, design. yeah, like I said, it's like, it is, you, you gotta commit to the bits. You can't, mm-hmm. you gotta throw your whole ass into spoofing something. You can't half ass this thing. Cause people are going to, you're sit- making a monster. Give him a whole ass, not a half ass. <laughs> exactly. It's we important. Want, two cheeks. Wants the whole ass. Yeah. <laughs> Two cheeks in a hole. <laughs> Stupid. Um, but I mean, that's the thing. Like, so Mel Brooks, like, knew he needed a large budget. He needed at least $2.3 million. And Columbia Pictures was like, no, no, we're not going to give you that. And so he went to 20th Century Fox um, 
who were like, yeah, we'll give you a bigger budget. Sure. Um, and so he it's did. It's wild, too, because, like, this is all... Gene Wilder and uh, Mel Brooks started writing the screenplay while uh, finishing up Blazing Saddles. Yeah. And they came out the same year. Crazy. What a year. I know. Oh, wow. It's... It, yeah. And, like, I... Blazing Saddles, uh, I think just the jokes in it hit a little harder for me, but I mean, like, oh, yeah. from, I mean, yeah, this, this is an undeniable piece of comedy and an undeniable, oh, again, yeah. an undeniable piece of filmmaking. And also mm. his, his bet paid off because this movie made like $86 million against like a barely $3 million budget. So yeah, wow. people, people love this thing. People mm-hmm. in the seventies, people were going gaga for Brooks. Honestly, <laughs> they were, Turning up at the box office. Um, so, yeah, we already talked about a few of the cast members. Um, Cloris Leachman, uh, oh, who is, again, is also just undeniable as, as Frau Brucher. <laughs> Throwing some horses insert. there. Yeah, 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 I was like, insert, insert. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's, she's great. Um, she's, uh, you know, like, and I think we talked about this a little bit on the producers episode where... Mel Brooks ha- isn't always the best with female characters, and like, and even in this movie, like a lot of the female oh, characters yeah. are there to just like <laughs> service the the male characters. And like, I think he got a little better. Like, w- like Madeline Kahn, like sort of like dominates like every role that she has yes. in a Mel Brooks picture. Yes. Again, like between <laughs> this and Blazing Saddles, I think like uh-huh. with with the rights, like comic personas, I think like mm-hmm. some of the female actors were able to sort of rein in some of the sexist tropes that were usually yeah. prevalent in his yeah, comedy. I feel like the, the value of Madeline Kahn in this movie is Im- immense. Cause yeah, like the, that role on paper is not what, we ended up with, you know, it's because of yes, like, <laughs> and she and she's uh, not in the movie a lot, but I mean, she still makes mm. such an indelible uh, mark on it, because yeah. um, she's that's just who she is. The way does she can just like say a word in a certain way that'll just yeah. like yeah, or like she'll she'll be speaking, you know, in kind of like a grandiose fashion, and then all of a sudden she'll throw in like a oh boy. Yeah, exactly. Moments like that, it's just so funny. Yeah, I mean, and even like Terry Gar, who like is in sort of like the Ula role, she's playing Inga in this one. Actually plucked and displaced. Yeah. Yes, and like she's still like again committing to the bit with all of her of her yes. damn heart. I would, I mean, I would argue the Inga role is much worse in the stage show than it is. Yeah, in, and in this one, will, yeah, we'll get there. It's it's also it's not <laughs> aided by the casting and yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, but like obviously, I like uh, Cloris Leachman just owns oh. it. She just like dominates in this role. <laughs> she's again mm-hmm. just committing to the ridiculousness of the of the thing um yeah. it's it's great ovaltine oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and yeah there are some on the special features of the dvd there's some like outtakes and stuff obviously and oh, like yeah. hers are so funny because she's she's so mm. different her demeanor when she breaks than when she's playing the character it's just so lovely <laughs> absolutely there's those blue that blooper reel is very good yeah. if you if you watch this movie like go watch it on youtube afterwards it's fun yeah. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> it's really funny mm-hmm. um and then of course i will say um we haven't noted it yet that one of the most famous one of the most influential takeaways from this film 
is that this is one of the few films that one can say inspired an Aerosmith song. Um, it's true. It's true because <laughs> walk this way. Yeah, oh my that gosh. Is, they yes, said. I forgot that. Yeah, uh, which is uh, which is a great bit. I'll say, like it's yeah. it's a funny bit. And they, it's a classic, and they almost cut it. Rude, uh, rude wild. of them. <laughs> I mean, the I mean, there's again. I'm I'm such a sucker for this classic Brooks style of comedy. Which mm. I'm curious when we get to the musical, I'll be curious. To, I'd love to sort of dig into sort of why some of these jokes work so well in a film and don't really work well on stage. Which is bizarre mm. to me because this style of comedy seems so indebted to like vaudeville and like yeah. the Borscht Belt. Right, and you think it would be hand in hand. But I guess not like stuff like the uh, werewolves, their wolves, their castle. Like I'm just like yeah. that is I'm just like that's the funniest <laughs> thing anyone has ever written. Like what a like it is just bizarre. Yeah. But then in the I mean I know we'll get to the musical, but there are reading through the script. I'm like and Mel Brooks, you know, worked on the book for the musical, but there are mm-hmm. like moments. I think that might even be one of them, the werewolves one, where a slight wording will be changed and it ruins sure. the rhythm. And I'm like, why? It's a classic thing. Like we don't really ever talk about it in really in depth, but I've mentioned several yeah. times where they'll just change one word of a phrase, and I it's mean, like, why did you? What is the reasoning behind yeah, it? Well, so, such iconic moments. Did you just forget it <laughs> and you wrote it down wrong, and nobody caught it? It was yeah. all DVD. You could have just watched it again. You watch that. <laughs> Do you not have a copy of the original screenplay? Like what? No. I mean, so to give my like to throw my two cents in there. So like. I think, like, it is, because, yeah, like, comedy is timing, and time, like, literally, I mean, like, I feel like stand-ups talk about this all the time, where, like, they will, like, go over the exact specific wording, and even, like, the number of words Mm -hmm. that'll go into a performance. And, like, yes, there are things that'll work in a movie that, like, maybe you need a little bit more time for a live stage audience to, like digest in their mind yeah. i don't know like or again even like maybe there are moments where they could be covering a scene change or a costume sure. change you know there are other things that necessitate putting air back in but it's just unfortunate but then yeah again you're, you but then yeah you're just defo- you're somehow putting air back in just deflates the whole thing mm-hmm. um bizarre um yeah. other folks to, to to call out in the original film um so yeah peter boyle um again which brand like you said like he's amazing Peter Boyle, mm-hmm. like it's it's just, uh, I mean, I mean, we'll let's just talk about um the sequence, the the sequence that everyone that I that I started off this episode with, and everyone oh, knows, sorry. um, <laughs> put, uh, putting on the Ritz, which again, <laughs> now just gonna uh, put down some <laughs> some some groundwork for what we're gonna address in a second. So, <laughs> what's great about putting on the Ritz is. It's unexpected, right? Yep. Comedy. It's about yep. surprise. Um, yeah. And like, again, like we said, the whole beauty of this film is that it's played so straight, is that it's committing to the bits of aesthetically mm-hmm. and tonally being a monster movie. And so then you have this big, like, experiment sequence, and it's like, oh, the joke is it's it's an Urban Berlin number. Yeah. And it's funny, <laughs> and it's good, and they sell the hell out of it, mm-hmm. uh, and it's great. Um and Pete, and it's Pete, I mean Peter Boyle is great. He's wait, wailing like the best of them. He's <laughs> it's uh he's actually yeah. a pretty good dance, pretty good Frankenstein's monster dancer. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a tall fella. Yeah. I mean, like and the I know. Boots? I mean, the platform heels yeah. that he's been too. <laughs> 
Wow. Gosh, that must have been wild to film. Yeah. Um, I can't even imagine. Um, I mean, yeah, like, like as we've sort of talked about, and obviously, like, he, Mel Brooks loves musicals, and he loves, mm-hmm. like, song and dance shit. It's prevalent yeah. in pretty much every movie he's ever done. Mm-hmm. There's, and there's yeah. usually at least some kind of, yeah, like, musical sequence, which, again, like... Uh, 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 set himself up for failure in the future when he's like, this is what I'll do. It makes so much sense. Um, and I mean, that's, and yeah, well, I'll, I'll get, that's, that's actually for a, la- a later mm-hmm. bit. I'll save that for the end. But, um, <laughs> and then also you have, uh, I didn't realize, I forgot it was him. Uh, Gene Hackman is yeah. the, yes. is the blind hermit. Oh, um, I love it. I mean, and then, oh, yeah, that's, man. that whole sequence is just ridiculous. It's very oh, funny. No. Again, they're just, it's, Again, just committing to the bit so well. Um, yeah. I, I love the sequence with the kid with the flower. Yeah. <laughs> he and launches her off of the, the uh, uh, teeter-totter <laughs> yes. and flies in the window. Very good. Oh God. And her, like, neglectful parents who, like, don't know yeah. where she is. Yeah. And, of course, uh, Kenneth Mars as Inspector Kemp. And he's oh. got his little, like, mechanical arm. No, uh, the, I, do, I want to know just like the mental math of how they got <laughs> to that performance. Cause it's so ridiculous, but I'm just like, yeah, I just want to know where it came from. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's they cl- like, it's a Kenneth Mars who played uh, Franz Liebkind in mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. film of the producers. He's coming back. Um, Brings back that unt a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Same accent almost. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there was just a thing where they were just like, okay, well, we need like an inspector character. And they were just like, what's his game? Like, what's the bits? And so, and I mean, Kenneth Mars is clearly a great physical comedian. He's also a great triton in The Little Mermaid. <laughs> Oh which gosh. is bizarre too. Oh, that's right. I, I always forget that. So um, but yeah, so it, he just he does it so well. It's you know, it's it's just it's silly enough to work. You know, that's yeah, that's kind it, of the magic of it. About like bits on bits being too much because it's like okay, what what is the character's concept? Is it the the accent that no one can understand, or is it the like mechanical <laughs> sure. hand? And it's like let's just do both, and somehow it just like alchemizes into something amazing like it does mm. it works really well um yeah i mean like we could just like spend the rest of the episode just like fucking quoting lines from this thing because it, oh it is i mean it's yeah. such a quotable movie like it is it really is one of my favorite lines is near the beginning the it will collapse like a bunch of broccoli yes <laughs> the whole demonstration that is very fun like, yes i love i also i love mr hilltop i think that mm-hmm. he's that that extra with no lines is great. <laughs> Gosh, it's 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 one it's wonderful. Listen, it's that's the that's just the thing about this movie. It's just like I mean I and I think we kind of talked about this um, on the on the producers episode as well. Like I, f- I feel like this sort of era of Brooks is sort of like it's it's the top. It is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like yeah. Uh, obviously, like producers is sort of like a very very strong start, but like. Blazing, I feel like Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, mm-hmm. um, and then even like Silent Movie, which is another. Mm. Have you seen Silent Movie? That's one I have not seen actually. But it I've is heard that it's awesome. so good. It's yeah. it's Mel, the it's the the three leads. It's Mel Brooks, Marty Feldman, and Dom mm. DeLuise, and it's it, it's a silent movie. It's yeah. like that's it is a completely like silent movie, and the movie is about Mel Brooks trying to convince a studio 
to give him the money to make a silent movie. Um, like that Love is it. the plot of wow. the movie. Love and there's it. like, it's, it's very funny. And the best thing in the movie is that there is one character who does say, who says the only spoken piece of dialogue in the movie and the character is a mime. Um, and that is, wow. <laughs> you know what? Uh, and it's, you know what? It's a good gold. bit. Gold. Gold. <laughs> Brooks. You know, so, and Mel Brooks is making, I don't know if you all saw this. Mel Brooks apparently is making with uh, a TV series of History of the World Part 2. Oh. oh. Weird. I know. That's interesting. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I mean, again, we'll, we're about to jump into it. It's just like based on his more recent output. I don't know, buddy. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, almost I wish that he would uh, do something just completely original, like not derivative of one of his previous properties. Yeah. Like, well, I, mean, I think he yeah. could write a great musical, but maybe just something new, you know, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, that's that, so that's called sort of like the fatal flaw of the of the Brooks formula, right? It's like, because mm. like, obviously his final film that he's made to date is Dracula Dead and Love It. Another mm. horror movie that mm-hmm. is not as good, uh, people say. Um, it's a, a little more, it seems like it's one that is a little bit more just like, hey, it's a goofy vampire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, less less indebted to sort of uh, making a classic uh, universal monster movie. But yeah, um, yeah, I think it's that's sort of the issue here is that like so yeah, um, the the new Mel Brooks musical Young Frankenstein as it was so lovingly <laughs> called on Broadway. Um, it's so the producers. I mean, again, like we talked about it, like it was undeniable how much of a hit the producers mm-hmm. was. It arguably like changed the face of Broadway and the economics of Broadway for the <laughs> for the worse, I would say, unfortunately. Yeah. It's sort of like really sort of like brought about the advent of like premium seats and mm. like uh it's it's sort of just like complete and like it just like elevated sort of just like how much people are willing to spend on a Broadway ticket. Um yeah. And it's something we still see today. Um, Even even (laughs) in the middle of a pandemic, Broadway prices are still as high as they ever were. Um, Bizarre to me. Um, But yeah, so producers uh, were kind of winding down at this point. I think like by 2006, 2007, they were realizing that without Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick, this wasn't really a ship that could steer itself, unfortunately. It's mm-hmm. a good show, and, like, a good production of the produ- producers is going to be a fun time, yeah. but especially just, like, the way that the Broadway production had just been thrown into the to the ether, uh, thrown into the mist, um, it was just, like, it was the Nathan Lane Matthew Broderick show, and it just yeah. wasn't as big of a draw without them. So mm-hmm. they were like, okay, we need another thing. And it's like, we know people love... <laughs> The producers, we know people love Mel Brooks as a musical theater writer. Um, and I mean, yeah, they sort of, they set up the the pieces, the chess pieces, uh, it, it, like, exactly. They got the exact same plays. They got Susan Stroman to write and direct it. They got uh, Thomas Meehan to come back as a co-writer. Um, they, and then, yeah, so it was, I mean, so this is the question. This is the question. So the producers is obviously a great fit for musical adaptation. It is mm-hmm. about Broadway musicals. It's yep. it like that it 
has song numbers, it has musical numbers, like actual like musical numbers in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it like it is a meta self parodying piece of musical theater. It fits well into that realm, but like. I'm looking at the rest of Mel Brooks's uh, filmography, um, and just like seeing, like, I mean, and, and I guess, like, again, they were probably doing this. They're probably doing what I'm doing right now. They were like, mm-hmm. "All right, well, Spaceballs would be weird because it's like, <laughs> how do you do that on stage? Yeah. Like, no, what? Like, a lot of these, like, high anxiety and life stinks and twelve chairs. Uh, they got some good stuff, but no one really knows them. Silent mm-hmm. movie is silent." Um, Blazing Saddles. <laughs> the movie is silent. I'm just saying, uh, Blazing Saddles um, <laughs> is a great movie, but just uh, too much baggage to throw into a commercial mm-hmm. Broadway stage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In 2007, yes. they're like, mm, is Broadway ready for... Uh- uh, <laughs> white people just yelling the N-word over and over and over Pro- again. Probably not. <laughs> we got to cut that. Okay, well, the movie kind of doesn't make, or the music yeah. kind of doesn't make any sense now. Yes. So. Um, so, and then I guess, you know, I guess your final two candidates are Robin Hood Men in Tights and Young Frankenstein. Which, and, the choice between the two, I mean, I think, well, I, I think Young Frankenstein is a better film, but yeah, Men in Tights I mean, feels more in the pocket to be a musical, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there are I can't really think of another Robin Hood musical, right? No, no yeah. I don't think there is one. Well, and I think the the amazing thing, and I say this in heavy quotes, the amazing thing is that this premiered on Broadway the same time that an off-Broadway very serious musical of Frankenstein premiered. <laughs> they were literally oh, happening. Fun. There was a very earnest Serious Frankenstein musical opening off Broadway, starring as Victor Frankenstein, Hunter Foster, whose sister, Sutton Foster, was in Young Frankenstein. That's wild. (laughs) That's very weird. (laughs) Listen, the universe will sometimes throw out weird shit like that. I don't know why. It just happens. Um, but so yeah, so and yeah, so obviously, and that's there are so many sort of like here's why this thing was a failure from the from the get go. Um, mm. one of the biggest things is obviously like obviously people know the producers. People knew the producers. I mean, mm-hmm. Brad, I think we talked about this on the producers episode where like 2001. Obviously, the producers like had won an Oscar for the best screenplay, but like it wasn't like in the culture is like a very like highly quotable thing. So like. It, it was just like, oh, the producers, like, people are going to, like, laugh at these jokes as if they're hearing them for the first time. Mm-hmm, the issue yeah. with Young Frankenstein is it's almost like a call and response show, right? It's like, yeah, everyone yes. knows, yes. everyone's wait, everyone's waiting for what hump? Everyone's mm-hmm. waiting for the the horses neighing at Frau Brucher. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. waiting for putting it on the Ritz. Like, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, whenever we get to spam a lot, it's kind of like... Uh, a very similar issue where it's just like yeah it's, actually that's it's, a good it, comparison it's just like it's 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 nostalgia bait it is mm-hmm. literally just like oh here's the thing that you know and love completely unchanged completely indebted to the thing that you remember uh completely in curious unchallenging <laughs> served on a 400 dollar plate just for you um yes. Yes. but so that's 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 number one. That's number mm-hmm. one of just like why this just from the get go just wasn't yeah. going to be a successful show. Number two, and we kind of alluded to this, is like they just took the 
producer's blueprints and applied yeah. it to, onto Young Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's bizarre. It's, it is bizarre. It is bizarre. And to your point um, about nostalgia bait, I think that's why, like, you know, because I, I am knowingly very much in the pocket to enjoy a, like, <laughs> sure. sitting in the theater and seeing this show because it's like, I am very nostalgic for this movie. You know, like I know all the lines mm-hmm. and I'm also someone who loves musical theater and like enjoys seeing that made fun of as well, you know? And so like, so I yes. enjoyed myself when I saw uh, the tour of this, but, but yeah, my, my own personal enjoyment is I'm pretty comfortable separating that from my <laughs> <Sure>. evaluating <laughs> the piece. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Absolutely. Yeah. I actually saw the original cast oh, yeah? of this show. I think this is the only one that we will cover that wow. I saw. I saw it in like February of 2000, I guess it would be 2008. Yeah. Do you, what do you, what do, you, do you remember? What do you remember about it, Brian? I mean, I remember similarly to what Bradley just said, like having a ball and like loving it because I did love this movie. I'm thinking all the performances were pretty great and stuff, but walking away and still being like, it's a little much. There's, a, there's some stuff that's it's a little much. Yeah, um, but I do think that I do think that cast was was pretty great mm-hmm. um, for what they were doing. Um, uh, with the exception of, I really like Sutton Foster, but like you kind of alluded to before, she like she it's it's out of place, and she really she really leans too far into bimbo almost, you know. Yeah. Whereas and- Megan Mullally singing tits for oh. like uh, eighteen <laughs> bars or whatever, Brilliant. pretty funny. Yeah, um, so funny. Yeah. I mean, also the production, and like I like uh, Roger Bart uh, was was great too, like, and I I did appreciate that he. He's not quite trying to do Gene Wilder as this. Mm-hmm. He's do, he's he's going for the deadpan, but he's got that like like mm-hmm. wink that he has. Uh, yeah, you know, in a lot of his roles, and I think he leans into that some. And um, for what he's got to for what he's for what he's working with here, it's like he still does pretty well. And the production itself, like the design and everything, was outstanding yeah um yeah, yeah i mean just you can see where the money <laughs> sure. it's, it costs a lot of yeah, money it but was, it is the production's cool it was like i think i feel like i remember it was one of the most expensive productions at uh-huh. the time really? it was being put up wow. yeah it was and yeah, it was at the the, Hil- the what was known at the time as the Hilton Theater. Um, it would go under many names. Uh, I think it was mm-hmm. ne- it was changed right into the Foxwoods Theater right after this. Mm. Uh, I think Spider Man Turn Off the Dark was the next tenant in this oh, theater. Yeah, oh yeah, just a bit. I will say the one other thing I want to say about the production just before I forget it is um, I was in college at the time and I had done. Uh, crazy for you. Sure. Uh, several years prior to this, and we, you know, um, several some shows, my, our our director and choreographers would, you know, intentionally try to do the original choreography to give us context of you know what was going on, and we did Susan Stroman's choreography for that production of Crazy for You. Oh wow! And um, it is she copies herself in this musical <laughs> from that musical. <laughs> Uh, like a, a while, like so much so that when I was sitting in the audience on, um, oh, what's the, uh, I don't know if it was rolling the hay or mm. is there, yeah, I think yeah. it must be, roll, is, is that a, does that turn into an ensemble number? I can't uh, remember. Yeah. Transylvania mania, maybe? Transylvania mania yeah. is the one I'm thinking of. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. A fun, a fun Transylvania, number. 
<laughs> yeah. That's a fun number. But like there's a whole sequence of that original choreography, you know, when I was sitting there in the in the the audience going like, "Oh, I know this step. It's all slap that bass." Like almost <laughs> like that copied. Is funny. Which you know what, Susan Stroman, good for you. <laughs> Make a, take a break. Yeah. You're fine. It worked well. It was still good, well, then, you we, know? We, right, we talked about that I think cuz like you can like license her original uh-huh. direction and choreography for the producers. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's like, so interesting. That's like part of it. It's like you can like you. It's like her brand. I mean, because yeah, yeah, like that's that is what a lot of people loved about that show. Is like what she put into it. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, just like from a structural standpoint, it's like the happiest town in town is like the worst show in town. Like it has like <laughs> yeah, th- yeah. like uh, even like the real estate of the titles of the songs share a lot of similarities. Well, yeah, and I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, what is it? Together again is very much the we can do it, you know. Yeah, of, of this. Mm-hmm. like there's a lot of a lot of, like one to ones of like yes. Uh, yes. which again, it's just like and it's I've seen this point that I'm about to bring up come up a few times, and I think it would have been fascinating. It just clearly just wasn't the zone they were operating in. Young friend, so like, what could have been fun, and like, it's I, I never, I, I'm not always a fan of being like, oh, like lamenting what the show could have been but sure. it's like if you're gonna do a young frankenstein musical it could have maybe been fun to do like a parody of like phantom of the opera style mm-hmm. like bomb- and like like uh yeah. jekyll and hyde like those mm-hmm. kind of like bombastic like lloyd webber wild horn like yeah. monster musicals of the late 80s and 90s mm-hmm. uh could have mm-hmm. been a fun direction to take yeah. this in but again that's right. just that's not Mel Brooks's tempo. That's just yeah. not the zone he operates yeah. in. But it would have been more yeah. more reminiscent of what worked so well about the film was that it was serious as a heart attack until it wasn't, you know? Like, yes. And so, yes. And so that's what we lose here is the whole thing is just a big farce. You know? Yeah, there's like no seriousness at all. Yeah. No. Yeah. Musical. Yeah. And also, so obviously the two performances from the original Broadway show uh, that did get Tony nominated. Yeah, the show was a set. The show was like... Everyone was like, no, thank you. There was like critics <laughs> were just like, no, I'm good. Um, and yeah. like, but Chris Fitzgerald as Igor and Andrea mm. Martin as oh. Frablucha yes. were both Tony nominated. I know, I didn't mention Another her. She was great. Treasure. And also, like, he, mm-hmm. like her song, He Was My Boyfriend. And like, there's, there's a lot of added. Uh, Brand, I feel like this is the thing you don't like, just like added, like, uh, profanity uh, for the sake of it. Yeah, that's what I mean by like a little too much. Like to, honestly, it doesn't it doesn't bother me as much as oh whatever what I was bitching about on <laughs> two weeks ago. Sure. Um, uh, it, uh, but it doesn't bother me quite as much as that one because it's Mel Brooks, and so it's sure. like at least clever, you know, like yeah. at least it, like conceptually clever when it was when it's written. Yeah. It's just like too much of it, like mm-hmm. you said, like the. The, the like the tits thing is funny, but mm-hmm. then the, and that's at the beginning of the show, and it'd yeah. be funny if it was like we don't really have to come back to that. Right, so. like you know, <laughs> deep love is pretty funny song though. I don't know. torn. Deep love is pretty funny. Yeah, I think the the vulgarity in "He Was My Boyfriend." Is definitely too much, and I think the only yes. way it works is because of Andrea Martin. Yes, I, think. I, yes. I, I even just listened to her singing it, and I just crack up. It's just like yeah. unhinged. But I'll say, like that song, like at least from a musical standpoint, from a compositional standpoint, 
is closer to the maybe the tone that this could have had. It's a little bit mm-hmm. like darker yes. than yes, the other material, which is all just like we're right. in a musical. This is a song. That's like how. <laughs> like, I mean, it, just, it sounds like it's. It was I, re-listening to it this time. I was like, oh, Mel Brooks actually has like a style. Yes, and like because like please don't touch me the way that the and whoever his orchestrator is mm-hmm. and arranger because like the way yeah. he uses the horns and yeah um, that all sounds Sounds really close to uh, Little Old Ladyland, sure, whatever yes, that yes. number is, you yes. know, and the producers. Um, yeah. And the one, the other one that I think um, is more in line of what the tone of the whole show could have been is the 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 what's it called? Is it just called Life? Is the one where, where I he's think so. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Creature to Life, uh-huh. where I'm like, and I appreciate that that song. There's not really any jokes in that song, you know. It, yeah. It's, because in the movie too, that's a very serious yeah. sequence, mm-hmm. um, and I think that it works really. I love well. how he like drops his head and then like picks. It's like he's doing. It's like he's getting into to his. He's just slated and he's about to do his audition. You know, in yeah. the film, yeah. And then raises it back up and he has that amazing monologue that yeah is like uh. joke free. Yeah, yeah, and that, yeah, and that's what this this moment in the musical is trying to absolutely. Grab onto. But again, like and Roger I... Bart's performance is just fantastic too. And, yeah. and I feel he like, really and I feel like there's. Yeah, it's it, the musical does the thing that we all love. Um, I say that jokingly, where like it takes jokes and then just like elongates them. So like, please mm-hmm. don't touch, please don't touch yeah. me, which is a fun number. And Megan Mullally on the original cast recording is fun, but it's yeah. just like, hey, remember this joke? Uh-huh. We're gonna do this it for five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it, what what I find weird about that song, another one that I think only works as well as it does because of Megan Mullally. Sure, um, but. It, they kind of recenter the reason she doesn't want to be touched more on like um, uh, uh, not wanting to um, on, on modesty as opposed sure. to vanity. You know, because that's one of the things that I found so funny about it is that she's just like, oh, my nails. Oh, yes. Hair. You know, like and like I, I would have rather seen a whole number about that. I think that would have been a funnier bit to elongate than mm-hmm. Like this, yeah, and then it's like, they, then they're also trying to make it the bit that she actually just like sleeps around all the time. With ev- yeah, with everyone else except. Yeah. Uh, or the, what's the like, as every guy in New York knows, I come first too. Yes, exactly, <laughs> yes. Um, oh. But then even stuff like, yeah, like, I mean, putting on the Ritz here, which becomes like, which again, mm-hmm. like, obviously it doesn't have the same hit because mm-hmm. we are in a musical. Because it's already a musical. Yeah, it's like, yeah. we've already yeah. What if he just started doing poetry instead? <laughs> or like something else? He's like, now he will he will do an architectural design for a new school building, right in front of your very eyes. <laughs> but I mean, that's, oh I mean, that's like, that's the whole thing, right? It's like, you, you just like, the joke is gone, but yeah. also again, yeah. because you're doing Young Frankenstein, the new Mel Brooks musical, Call Young Frankenstein. Yeah, you can't not have putting on the Ritz in the yeah. in the show. Um, and it's like and at least they you know they turn it into a, this giant. Yeah, it's a number, bombastic so, ensemble you know. number. And yeah, I will, say, I will say the one thing about that song: the having the monster have a scat solo is that's that's nice. Sure, like, that's, yeah, that's, that's funny. That's yeah, fun. and that's I, funny. One of and my it is. Parts, um, sorry, go ahead. I was going to... No, well, no, it's just, it's it's uh, Shula Hensley, Tony Ward-winning actor yeah, Shula yeah. Hensley, who is also similarly very good. I, yeah, I saw this, I saw this uh-huh. production too, and I remember walking away with him being like, oh, he is the best part of this thing. Like, he is, yeah. like, really, really great. Mm-hmm. And I also love, um, in going back to Transylvania Mania, that's one of the moments that I think 
actually like they were able to achieve a really good like musical adaptation concept where it's like oh yeah like the monster's making a noise and then they're turning it into what the song is like that it just feels like a very classic musical theater mm-hmm. version of like a moment that would exist in this story sure. and i think it i think it works well and then and then echoing you know the sound he makes in like the horns and like i don't know i just think sure. it's smartly <laughs> conceived moments yeah it's listen i'm not and i'm i feel like i'm maybe the person on this zoom call who likes the show the least um and it's and like i which is fine sometimes that happens um and i'm not saying that there isn't like there is certainly fun to be had in the show i know that a few years back when it premiered in the west end they retooled it a little bit oh, yeah? they like they brought it down to sort of actors more like they 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 brought the, obviously because as we were alluding to, the original Broadway production was so grandiose, was so bombastic. Mm-hmm. I think they scaled back some elements so it could fit in smaller houses. Um, I think they... Make it a little cheaper for them to do, too. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> um, and, like, from, like, from MTI, you can license either the Broadway version or the West End version. And, like, I would love to see a pared-down version. I'd be so curious to see that. And, like, there is fun to be had because Young Frankenstein, the movie, is very good. Um, yeah. I'm just, like, I don't know. I'm just like so it's I'm also just like I'm never a fan of like like there are scenes that are like completely like copy pasted from oh, the yeah. movie. Like the mm-hmm. the old hermit scene like is like Untouched, He gets a song, yeah. but yeah, he gets that's, a song. that's yeah. the only thing. The song is fun. The song's fun, yeah, absolutely. We're talking lonely I'm here. Make espresso. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or but it, it the same I'm I'm trying to remember a what didn't say in the script, but my memory was that the same person plays Inspector Kemp as who plays yes. the the mm-hmm. hermit. I think that that's a fun track. That that's is a, a very fun track. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. Inspector Kemp in the show is really not at, doesn't really resemble what he was. Like all of his scenes are really taken out. Yes, he he still has his bits. He still has mm-hmm. the arm bits, but yeah. yeah, like he's not as it. He's not in the film as prominently. Um, like the darts, it's the darts scene is so good. The darts is great. <laughs> like again, like but that's obviously it's a, tr- a tricky thing to replicate to on, stage, on stage. So yeah, sure. I yeah. get that. Um, Ooh, wait, before we leave, just fun please. tidbit about the darts. Um, also, something I learned from the DVD as a child um, that the when when he throws one of the darts and you hear the cat noise that the mm-hmm. the cat sound was provided by Mel Brooks. Of course. <laughs> right. Mel <laughs> you weirdo. Oh my gosh. He's He's now, all- in the musical, does uh, Aw Sweet Mystery of Life appear? For like a second, yes. Yeah, briefly. They do do it a couple times? Yeah. Okay. It's such a bizarre thing. Because, like, <laughs> that that <laughs> song, bizarre. because it's from a 30s movie. That okay. is a real song from a 30s movie. It appears mm. in this movie. It's also a whole number in Thoroughly Modern Millie, it which is. was like yes. a couple years before this. Yeah. And it's in this musical. It's just so I, I, I'm fascinated by. It. I wonder if like somehow that that song just and that film like slipped out of copyright and people are like, aha, there, there we, go. we go, perfect. <laughs> or if like where that you know, obviously it's know. some weird inside joke to Mel Brooks. I probably saw the movie. And mm. for this movie, but then like it being in Thoroughly Modern Millie, I don't know. It's just a strange thing. I, I don't know. I don't know what people were. It's a perfect coal- shorthand. It's great. Yeah, no, it's yeah. good. <laughs> what people are, what, I don't know. People coalesce around these weird moments of pop culture uh-huh. every now and then. Mm-hmm. It's We'll never know. I, we None of us were alive in 1974. We'll never know. Um, and actually, nope. speaking of which, I will say this movie did get, uh, Young Frankenstein got an Oscar nomination for adapted screenplay. Mm. Um... 
but it lost to The Godfather Part 2. Whatever. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes, some, sometimes you release a movie in the same year as The Godfather Part Two. Yeah, and you just got to yeah. deal with that fact. Um, yeah. Any other sort of final thoughts about Young Frankenstein, the movie, the I musical, think of anything else, the, the universe, the the franchise universe? universe. <laughs> I love the shot. Um, speaking of spooky stuff, back at the beginning, I love the shot of. His head like glowing, the classic like yeah. when they're trying to make him come alive, and like sure. you see his skull oh, yeah. and his teeth underneath like glowing is so cool. Very cool. Very oh, cool. also bizarre at the end of the musical, Dracula shows up and like doesn't. <laughs> Dracula <laughs> shows up and like doesn't have anything funny to say. He's like, "Hey, is are you renting? And, uh, you're not okay. Bye." It's like you're not yeah, even like, gonna uh, do a bit. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like a very small moment for them to, yeah, do this entire character. Oh, also, speaking of inserted characters, having read the <laughs> script, I'm confused about, there's a character named Ziggy? Oh, sure, <laughs> the village idiots or some shit, yeah. yeah. Can we talk about oh, Lord. Why? Was, why? <laughs> well, he wants, he, I don't know, he, and he's requesting a gay bar in the town? I don't know. <laughs> I wrote that down too, I was like, gay bar joke? <laughs> I don't know. That, 2007, y'all. This is a stupid <laughs> like, time. What a time. Why also, yes. That? Speaking of one to one, a line for a townsperson. <laughs> also, like yeah, they do know. the same thing where at the end of the producer they have the like, "Thanks for coming to see our show." Oh um, yeah. And they do the same thing at the end of this, and they're like, "Maybe next maybe year." Maybe next year. Blazing, blazing sad. And I'm like, yeah. "Is that?" And I'm like, no. and "I'm like, that's a threat, not a promise." <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, oh, one other thought that I had that I feel is just kind of a missed opportunity is, well, so I like um, I like that they turned his dream sequence into a song. Like that makes sense. Yeah, sure, sure, but sure. Yeah, it seems uh, like a missed opportunity to not have that be a song called Destiny, right? Like because that's what he. Oh, that's up. what he's yelling Destiny, in bed. Yeah, Dest you know, I'm like, why wouldn't they have used that? That mm. sounds. That seems like a just perfect. You know, these are great. I do remember that. <laughs> In the production, being a very cool moment where he's they have a giant on a bed they have a the giant puppet. I uh -huh. Oh yeah, the, the giant puppet like splits in half and moves off, and there's a huge puppet. Very. Yeah. They cool. did they did remove that number from the West End version. So really, yeah. See you later, puppet. See you yeah. later, puppet. Bye, puppet. <laughs> bye, bye. Um, which is sad. I love a good puppet. Um, yeah. love that you're cutting the runtime now down though, West End. Yeah. Good job there, <laughs> <laughs> Young Frankenstein. It's alive. I don't know. It's fine. It's good. It, they, hey. did, they did what they had to do. Um, and yeah, like, will Bill Brooks write another musical? I don't, I, I don't know. I Again, hope if he does, it's something just completely new. I think, like, listen, let's not, yeah. let's not walk around it. The guy's very old. Like, he, I, like, yeah. and like. How old is he? The, oh, uh, quite old. He, like. Um, God, maybe close to if not there. Hold on, yeah. let's find out. Uh, Mel Brooks is ninety-five. Wow, he's up there. Like it's yeah, like it's I very sad. Like Gene Wilder's passed away. Carl yeah. Reiner's passed away. Thomas Leachman passed earlier this year. Uh, yeah, it's like yeah. and like again, like maybe this History of the World TV show will like keep him going for a little bit, like the same yeah. way that like Sondheim's musical is keeping him going for a little bit at ninety one. Should have called it History of the World Part Three and sure. just picked up where the second one left off. You know what? That's funny. Yeah, Sondheim's ninety one, Bradley. Wow, and he's still got a new show still coming going. out. Apparently, yeah, this is what happens. You like, you like. I'll work on a project, and I'll keep the the juice 
flowing in my, in my veins. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Like Mel Brooks, yeah. I don't like. I don't think we need a Blazing Saddles musical. I also think that would kind of be again as someone who loves the movie. I think that would be disastrous, and I don't think we need it. Like yeah. it is people. You know, there's like that fucking line. People will say like, oh, like. You could never make Blazing Saddles today. It's like, yeah, you couldn't. It was made mm. as a piece of 1970s Western commentary. Like, there's yeah. no need yeah. to make Blazing Saddles today. Right. Like, and there's no right. need to adapt it for the stage today. So, yeah. don't. Um, I feel like if there, if we, if we had no other choice but to have a uh, Mel Brooks movie, another one adapted to a musical, I think I'd probably choose Men in Tights. Yeah. I think um, it's a good one. I think yeah, it would be a good one. They would they would need that one has more so than something like Young Frankenstein has a lot of moments that probably need to be replaced. You know, sure. or, yes. or updated. Oh, sure. Updated. Mm-hmm. But, sure. but on the, a lot of it that still works. Mel Brooks could bring Jave Chappelle. He could you know, he could play the same role. <laughs> that's not no. something that's problematic. problematic. I did forget that Dave Chappelle is in Men in Tight. His film debut. <laughs> His film debut. Yeah, God, I, very good in it. I was just like, I could go a day without having to hear that man's name. Nope, yeah. there it is. Good Lord. <laughs> Can't we move on? I'm trying. To, I suppose not. Bren, no. I'm trying to. I don't know. Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks could like make like a parody of a Marvel movie. I don't know. He could go and do that. That'd be, That'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. Um. It's. It, it's. Yeah. Because there are a lot of. I think again another thing from our producers episode that I'm carrying i like i feel like mm-hmm. there aren't a lot of like p- contemporary parody artists in the same way that there were with mel brooks and i think a lot of that yeah. is because like i don't know like no one's getting the money to be able to do what young frankenstein did right to right. not only make a movie that is making fun of a genre to, but to have the money to commit to the aesthetic bits of that genre like if you well, want yeah and they they just got they got you know, some of those Wayans Brothers ones are great, but like they got to be so bad sure. by the like mm. by, by the time you get to epic movie and on disaster movie, yeah, and those you know, which all come out of that scary movie, yeah, like, beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just get to be. They just get to be so dumb. Can I go right? I will, rape I will, in the bottom of the barrel? Yeah, of writers, well, I guess, even is like what the scary is. movies. It's like they're they're funny but they're they're not trying to recreate the tone of the, what they're period parodying in the way that young Frankenstein. yeah no that they just... certainly get like i say they certainly i think they get dumber but i think the first one and even the second one actually are yeah. really trying to walk that same line as young frankenstein okay. is. I, it's been a while since i've seen any of those i have a i have a weird tidbit to share that like is one of my favorite things about so uh those movies like date movie epic movie meet the spartans those are all written and directed by uh it's the movie cinematic universe yes it is the movie (laughs) cinematic universe those are written and directed by uh the children of satan themselves uh jason friedberg and aaron seltzer um two of the worst uh director writers (laughs) in the universe um they when date movie came out they were credited as it was like from the right from two of the six writers of scary movie. That was like one of the big things when they were advertising mm. date movie. And that movie was a very I, big, it's kind of a funny ad. It is, it is kind of funny. <laughs> Here's the thing. Friedberg and Seltzer, like they, yes, they have a credits, like a screenplay credits on scary movie, but like they were like just in like initial talks. To, no, they wrote a different parody movie, a different like horror parody movie. But then that script was essentially, like, bought out 
so that they could make Scary Movie. So they still mm. got the credit on Scary Movie, but it's a credit for a different screenplay for a movie that was never made. <laughs> so, like, they didn't actually write Scary Movie. They just That's wrote an idea weird. that essentially was absorbed by Scary Movie. Weird. That's so very odd. They were, they were, like, they were like grandfathered into success in Hollywood. It's bizarre. Um, and so then they weird. made some of the worst films ever made. But yeah, like you would need <laughs> you would need like a hundred fifty dollar hundred fifty million dollar budget to make like a good Marvel movie parody. Like that's yeah. the thing. Oh like, yeah, you would. Which I think I, mean, I think there's plenty to make I mean, fun maybe. of. Maybe. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, maybe not. And listen, I saw they already look like shit well, for the CGI well, most the of the thing. time, here's so the you thing. could just cheap it up. For here's a little the bit. thing: I saw Dune this weekend, and I'm a big. If anyone's mm. been looking at me on Instagram recently, I'm a big Dune head. I love Dune. It's a great movie. <laughs> that movie cost 165 million dollars. Nothing to sneeze at. It's a lot of money, and like, uh, Black Widow. Uh, say what you will, and I'm, I'm not even just talking about it just from, like, a, if you like it, if you don't like it, whatever. Yeah. But, like, that movie cost $200 million, and, like, if you look at the two, wow. it's just, like, it's just, like, just, I'm, just, I'm just talking from a production standpoint. Like, the, yeah. the difference is, like, where is that extra, like, $35 million going? Because it's just, like... Mm, I mean, not to Scarlett Johansson. I mean, yeah, not to Scarlett Johansson. That's yeah, the thing. Definitely um, not to her. All right. We, this is way off target from <laughs> young Frankenstein. Um, so let's reel ourselves back. Let's go back to the castle. Walk this way. No, this way. To the end of the episode, um, where Bradley, first off, thank you so much for being here. And chatting with us about these spooky me. properties and on the spookiest <laughs> day of the month, November 1st. Um, <laughs> now, Bradley, at the end of every episode of Movie the Musical, we ask our guests a very important question. Uh, so, Bradley, if you could adapt any movie into a musical that has not been adapted already, what movie would you choose? All right. So when I first uh, started thinking about this question, I was like, you know, my first thing was like, oh, should I pick another Mel Brooks movie? And then it was sure. quickly, uh, no, no, I won't. <laughs> That's, that would be bad. Um, but my my little uh, th thread together is that this is a movie that um, also utilizes black and white um, in a way. Okay. And, so yeah, so I, I thought about it for a while, and it's been a, it's been a little while since I've seen this movie, but I think that it would be good, and I think it would provide some interesting opportunities for like stagecraft and also some like smart musical composition. Um, the movie that I would adapt on this day in this moment is Pleasantville. Cool. Um, okay. I that yeah, I I think that. Because well, already, you know, I think it has a tone that could would would fit nicely in like a musical setting. Absolutely. Um, think, yeah. Obviously, I don't know the answer to how you do the black and white and then not like. But I'm very curious. It's like a 1940s radio hour thing. Yeah. That cat show originally did like they is all black and white on uh -huh. stage with makeup yeah. and like or I guess yeah like Wizard of Oz they often do something mm -hmm. like that too yeah so I think that could be there's like that like element of spectacle that would be kind of nice and then I just think that there's this really cool opportunity musically to like 
I don't know if there's like a more vintage musical style in yeah. the like, TV show world. And then as they start to like, you know, become in color, then they sing in a different style or mm-hmm. something. Or maybe there's no music until they turn into color or something. Like, I just think there's room for like a cool take. Um, the one caveat, the one caveat to this is that um, there need to be minimal to no white people involved with the creation and conceiving. <laughs> like, sure. please, please all BIPOC creative team. I also think that the the two, the Toby Maguire and um, who is it, Reese Witherspoon, they probably need to not be white people. Sure. <laughs> I just think the the, the movie uh, had some had a really interesting, you know, commentary on not just race, like on um, there's a lot of metaphors for like sexuality and mm-hmm. all sorts of otherness. Um, and obviously, you know, oh, I don't know, I forget what year it was made, but the the way we ninety eight. 98 the way we navigate through discourse on those subjects has changed and so i think it would need some true adaptation to have the same messages come across to today's audience but i think it could be i think it could be cool i think you're right uh great bradley first off great answer very good on i'm actually su- I'm, su- I'm surprised that no one's brought that one to us i feel like that's uh, that yeah that is one that's like well and it's funny because Arguably, Schmigadoon is kind of a riff on this. Schmigadoon has some Pleasantville vibes. Yes, of of like two contemporary interlopers in a sort of past space. Um, yeah. I think I think Pleasantville actually plays a lot more with the modern characters disrupting a. Uh, like a, a place from the past. Like, I think mm-hmm. Schmigadoon... Act- One of the things that, like, uh, people have talked about with Schmigadoon is that, like... I- yeah, I don't know. I think there could be a lot more... And there's there's a lot more, like, disruption that could be at play. And also that this is, yeah. it, feels, it feels too fixed in a very sort of, like, an idea of musical theatre that, like, we know is not as true. Or it's, like, a very, stere- very yes. stereotypical look of musical mm-hmm. theatre. But, yeah, I think Pleasantville... Pleasantville, mu- the musical... Yeah, I don't, you, there's, there's a lot of options. There's a lot of options yeah. to play around with, and I think that's sort of what's exciting about it, is that you have mm-hmm. so many directions you could go in from a design perspective, from a composition perspective, from a, yeah, from a performance and thematic perspective. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. like, just with that premise, there's just so much you could do with it. I'm also just like, so like, the movie was made in 98, and it's mm-hmm. about like, what, like a 1950s uh yeah so so that would be like today uh like hopping back into like an 80s show like that's what it would be like it's like interesting would that work (laughs) if you were just like doing this like the it's like oh someone from 20 the 2020s going back into like cheers or something like with that yeah i would uh, yeah i feel like i would hope that they would keep it also in the 50s, 50s sure, you know, no, I that, absolutely. You know. But then, it's a, then you can kind of like riff on the musical styles of that era. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. when when it's those characters that are singing. Absolutely, um, you could have like a you could have like a Rodgers and Hammerstein mm-hmm. style score, and then like then like oh, it starts to get very like Jason Robert Brownie all of a yeah. uh, all of a sudden. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, great answer. Have Lin Manuel Miranda write all the uh, <laughs> there, present day music. There you go. <laughs> there it is. That's now we've got the funding. That's the <laughs> yeah. Seriously, <laughs> you clenched it. Just secured the bag with that idea. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> stupid. I love it, but stupid. Um, yeah. Bradley, thank you so much for being here. Uh, anything you wanna plug, share with our with our listeners? Um, nothing super, nothing super major to plug at the moment. You can look me up on social media, um, Instagram, I'm Bralverson, B-R-A-L-V-E-R-S-O-N, a combination of my first and last name. <laughs> uh, amazing. <laughs> well, well, we're so glad you're here. Hope to have you back. This was a treat. Yeah. Um, thank you for being here. I want to thank Bran Moorhead, as always, for producing and editing this show. And I want to thank each and every one of you for listening uh, I want to thank Emily Harrington for our artwork. I want to thank M. Modaf and Josh Stanley for our Kick-Ass theme song. If you like the show, be sure to rate us, review us, and subscribe for future episodes. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Movie the Musical. And if you want to support the podcast and get some sweet bonus content, go to patreon.com slash moviethemusical and consider becoming a monthly member. And as a reminder, there's still time to get tickets for our live event, Movie the Musical, The Cabaret, Friday, November 19th, 8 p.m. at Davenport's Piano Bar and Cabaret here in Chicago, Illinois. It's going to be a very good time. Cannot wait. That's it for now. Keep on singing. Uh... Get that, get that horse sound effect ready, Bren. Frau Blucher! <laughs> 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 <laughs>